Alright, we're, we're doing all the books of the Bible in two years. And uh, last week we finished the book of Matthew. Today we're going to do half the book of Mark. Um, what's this section called that we're in? Gospels. The Gospels, yes. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. What are the what are each of the gospels about? Good news. <laughs> the ministry of Jesus. Yeah, it's the life of Jesus. That's what the gospels are about. And um, which of the four gospels is the shortest? Mark. Probably. Yeah, yeah. it's this one we're in right now. Mark. Yeah. Short and to the point. So. Um, now, this is just another chart putting things in their sequence in time, but um, all these New Testament books all fit into this tiny little area here. Just less than 100 years is covered in, in the New Testament, whereas the Old Testament covers over 1,000 years. It goes way back. Um, the outline of Mark, um, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but you may notice it looks very similar to the outline we did of Matthew, um, just that the chapter numbers are smaller because <laughs> there's not as many chapters in, in Mark. And we're going to do almost the first three sections. The beginnings of Jesus' ministry, his ministry in Galilee. What part of Palestine is Galilee? North or south? North, yes. And then he withdraws from Galilee, and we won't quite finish that section. We're only going to chapter 8 this morning. So the first chapter um, covers quite a few different things. Um, The book starts out with a bang. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, compare that. How does the gospel of Matthew start? Yeah, genealogy, you have almost a whole chapter showing who Jesus' ancestors are. Um, Mark skips all that. No fluff with Mark. Let's just get into the story. (laughs) And who's the first character he deals with in the story? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, yes. He says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John the Baptist came, and Mark tells us essentially the same thing we had in the book of Matthew here. Um, you know, the clothes he wore, the kind of preaching, although again it's all sh- shortened up. Um, and at the end, he said in verse 8, I baptize you with water, but the one coming will do what? Baptize with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And who's he talking about? The one coming. Jesus. That's right, Jesus. Um, So then in verse 9, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And we have the same thing we had in Matthew when he came up out of the water. What happened? The dove came down. The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. That's right. And the voice said what? Thou art my beloved son. Yes. Well yeah, you are my beloved son, whom I well pleased. Um, 
Then immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. Again, Mark's account is much briefer. We just have a one-verse account of it. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Now in Matthew, what else do we have? Yeah, the three temptations. Mark just kind of summarizes the whole thing. So then, in verse 14, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And first thing he does in Mark is he calls some people to be his followers. Who are the first ones he calls? Peter and Andrew. Yeah. Simon and Andrew, Jesus called Simon Peter. He said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Fishers of men, yes. They had been fishers of fish. <laughs> so they did. They followed him. Then he found a couple other fishermen. What, what were their names? James and John. Yeah, James and John. So now he's got four. And then in verse 21 he says, they went into Capernaum. Well, those four guys lived in Capernaum, and Jesus is now going to make his headquarters um, in Capernaum. And he teaches them. And then there was a guy in the synagogue who had what? An unclean spirit. Yeah, unclean spirit, which is otherwise called demon. Yeah, a demon. And the demon cried out. I, I mean, made the guy cry out, of course. And what did he say to Jesus? Yeah, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, the demons are under the control of who? Satan. Satan, that's right. And Satan had been tempting Jesus in the wilderness. So, Satan knew very well Jesus was holy, didn't he? <laughs> because Jesus hadn't, had never given in to any of his temptations. So now the demons are agreeing. Yeah, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But what was Jesus' reaction to that? Be quiet. Yeah, be quiet. And come out of him. And of course, he had to. He, he wouldn't let the demons tell people about him. He didn't need testimony from Satan. Um, so then after that, he went into um, Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And what did Jesus do for her? Took him by the hand and yeah, cured him. Yeah, healed her. So now... This is two miracles in one day. Casting the demon out and then healing Peter's mother-in-law. Then in verse 32, when the evening came, everybody in the whole town brought everyone that was sick to his house. And, and he healed them all. Next morning, um, before it was light, what did Jesus do? Departed to a lonely place. What was he doing there? Praying. Yeah, he was praying. He, he, he got up before anyone else was up, went off and prayed. Then when Peter woke up, he and the others were looking for him. They finally found him and they, they said, everyone's looking for you. And I'm sure that their view is, this is great. This is just exactly what you want and what's his reaction? Let's go someplace else. Let's go someplace else. He's got to go preach. Jesus understands that his popularity is not 
he's not popular for the right reason. Um, they like the miracles, but they're not too hot on listening to the preaching. <laughs> so one more miracle in, in this first chapter. A guy who had what kind of illness? Leper. Leprosy, yes. Skin disease. And, and in, in the Old Testament, which these people are still following the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, um, someone who didn't have leprosy would be very careful about what if they're around a leper? Touching. Yeah, you would never touch the person because then you would become unclean. But he asked, the leper said to Jesus, you know, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Of course, with Jesus, there's only one answer to that. <laughs> he is willing. And then what did he do? He touched him. He touched him, yeah. Did it make him unclean? <laughs> well, it doesn't say, but... <laughs> no, it went the other direction. Yeah, it went the other direction. Yeah, there's never been anyone like that. All right. Um, it, it is interesting. Uh, he silenced the demons when they... Uh, Acknowledged him, yeah. and he also, when he, we see this, he told the, the leper not to. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And he does that a number of occasions. <laughs> it doesn't work out. He's ungrateful people. If you think about that, um, and that there's this is not the only case where Jesus tells someone that he heals, don't tell anybody. How would you like to, for Jesus to do something like that for you and, and tell you, and don't tell anybody? <laughs> I mean, how, how could you even stand not to tell someone? But think about this. And I really think this is the point of why it, it's in these Gospels. What has Jesus done for us? I mean, far more than just healing. I mean, He's healed our souls. And yet, unfortunately, there are Christians who act like Jesus told them, now don't tell anybody. <laughs> and of course, he didn't tell us that. He told us the very opposite. <laughs> Go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. All right, chapter 2. Um, this, is, this story is, is in three out of the four gospels, I believe. This one about this paralyzed guy. Um, he, he was sick, he couldn't walk, uh, paralytic. Four guys are carrying him on a, some kind of a stretcher. And we don't get this in Matthew, but here in, in Mark, and I think in Luke as well, um, they couldn't get him to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is so popular, everyone just crying around him. And of course, four guys pulling a stretcher that you just can't get to the crowd. So what do they do? Climb up on the roof and take it apart. Yeah, yeah. In, in those days, they had outside stairways to their roofs, and the roofs were always flat. Uh, they didn't have have to worry about snow, so um, so they could just walk up the stairs, you know, carry him right up on top of the stairs, and then um, the the um, the roof would have made been made with um, logs and and mud plastered in between the logs. Um, so they just tore a hole in the roof and <laughs> lowered him down right where Jesus was. I assume this is Peter's house. 
Uh, Peter is probably beginning to learn about the cost of following <laughs> Jesus. Get your house torn up. <laughs> um, but the thing that is not noteworthy about the story is what Jesus did when they got him in front of him. What did he do? Forgive his sins. Yeah. Yeah, son, your sins are forgiven. Um, and there's some there's some of these enemies of Jesus there, the scribes that their reasoning and what is their reasoning saying? Well, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Yeah. Um, is that the truth? Only God can forgive sins. <laughs> That's the only one we can sin against. It's absolutely the truth. Well, the, what they were reasoning was exactly right. Only God can forgive sins. What the mistake they made was in assuming that that meant Jesus was blasphemy. Um, and Jesus, Jesus immediately showed that he was a lot more than what they thought because he read their thoughts. Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and pick up your pallet and walk? Now, you've got to be careful. I mean, you cannot read this and count the words and say, well, I think it would be easier to say your sins are forgiven because that's fewer words. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's saying is, which is easier to say and it actually will happen as far as anyone can see? Now, when you say your sins are forgiven, no one can see whether it's happened or not. But if you say, pick up your pallet and walk, it's going to be immediately obvious if you know what you're talking about. Either the guy does it or he doesn't. And so, when he told the guy, pick up your pallet and go home, the guy did. And it demonstrated Jesus was true to his word. If he tells someone to get up and walk, they can get up and walk. If he tells someone their sins are forgiven, probably that happens too. <laughs> and that was the point he was trying to make. Um, well, he... He gets another disciple. This one's called Levi, otherwise known as... Tax collector. It's another name for him. Yeah, he's also known as Matthew. He's the author of our first gospel. But he he was, you're correct, he was a tax collector. And then he made a big dinner for Jesus in his house. And of course, who did he invite? He invited tax collectors to come to the dinner. And that got Jesus in trouble with who? Pharisees. Yeah, the scribes and the Pharisees. This man's eating with sinners. Um, I assume their implication is maybe he is one. You know, if you you wouldn't be hanging around these guys if you weren't a sinner yourself. But what was Jesus' response? This is who he came to. to yeah, heal. he's a doctor. Who do doctors hang around with? Sick people. Sick people. Not because they're sick, because they want to make them well. And that's what Jesus was doing: is hanging around these spiritually sick people to make them well. He didn't hang around scribes and Pharisees, because why? They didn't, think they, needed they didn't think they were sick. Yeah. All right. Um, let me see what we're ready for here. And then they had a question about fasting. John's disciples fast. Why don't your disciples fast? And what's the answer to that? It's a bridegroom. You don't fast the bridegroom. Yeah, it's a time of celebration. It's not a time of grieving. There will be a time of grieving, but not yet. Then, this next section starts in verse 23. and I might have moved it with the next chapter because it really goes with this next story. Uh, The day of the week is important in this story. This is chapter 2, verse 23. What day was it? 
Sabbath. Sabbath, which for us is Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. For the Jews, what was special about the Sabbath? Do no work. Cannot work on the Sabbath, yes. That had been true ever since the days of Moses. Um, what were the disciples doing on that day? They were pulling some grain, walking through the wheat field. And some yeah. Grain. And it, it wasn't like the owner of the wheat field hired them to harvest his crop. But they were just grabbing a little bit of food as they went on, and they were eating the food. But the Pharisees saw that as work. And Jesus' response in verse 25 was, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? He tells a story back from, from the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament about how sometimes there's more important things than a specific commandment like this. Now this is not telling us that sometimes it's okay to lie or sometimes it's okay to steal. In both cases, the Sabbath one and the one in, from the book of 1 Samuel, the commandment was what we would call a ceremonial commandment. That ceremony does not mean it's optional, but it does mean that it's not a moral thing. Um, the moral commandments have been true ever since Adam and Eve were created. Whereas the ceremonial commandments have changed from one time to another. And God just shows that there are, there are times when there are more important things than that. Chapter 3, we continue with the Sabbath discussion. Um, he went into a synagogue on the Sabbath, and there just happened to be a guy there that with what problem? Withered hand. Withered hand, yeah. And these enemies of his are watching him to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath. Which lets you know that they know Jesus very well. They know he's not going to be around a sick person without doing something to help the person. So Jesus leads off and he asks them a question. What's the question? Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to kill? <laughs> so he gives them a, a choice here. They hadn't thought of it in, that, in those terms. It, it, to them it was just a matter of are you going to work or you're not working. He says, well, are you going to do good or are you going to do harm? Um, the truth of the matter is they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to try to kill because they're going to be so angry at Jesus they're going to go out and plot how they can destroy him <laughs> and Jesus wanted to save a life so he restored the man's hand they care not a thing about the man all they care is they hate Jesus <laughs> sad, sad contrast between them Then in verse 13, he went up on a mountain and he chose how many people? Twelve, yeah. And what do we call those twelve? The apostles. The twelve apostles, yeah. He's going to send them out. Um, and he gives the names here. Um, then in verse 20, this is right in the midst of his popularity. This is his Galilean ministry. He came home and the crowd gathered again to such an extent that they could not even... Do what? Yeah, just wow. And so as, when his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying, he has lost his senses. Who are his own people? Mother and, mother and brothers. Yeah, mother sisters. and brothers. Yeah, that's kind of sad. They have so little understanding about Jesus and his work that when they see him getting so busy that he can't even kneel, they just think, 
we've got, you know, he's, he's not safe to be around himself. We've got to take control of him. So that's their view. Then the scribes, they give another alternative in verse 22. What is their suggestion? He's possessed by Satan. Yeah, he's possessed by Satan. That's how he's casting out these demons. So Jesus first addresses those people. And he says, well, how can Satan cast out Satan? If Satan is opposed to Satan, then he's in big trouble. <laughs> and, he, and he's certainly not such a fool as that. But then, he turns to them, and he says in verse 29, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. What have they done to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? He said that Jesus was of Satan. That's right. They said Jesus was of Satan. When Jesus was doing a good work, I mean, they could see this was a, a very kind thing He was doing to cast out these demons. And they knew they couldn't do it. This, this had to be from God. They looked at it and blasphemed the Holy Spirit and said, oh, He's doing it by Satan. Jesus says, you can never get forgiven for that. Now, the reason is not because God... Has decided to you know set aside certain sins. If you just do this when you you know I'm so mad I won't will never forgive. It's not that at all. The reason is that the attitude of a person who who would do that they can never come to God. Their heart is so hardened that that nothing is ever going to rescue them. And we see these guys didn't change. They continued this through the rest of Jesus' life and. And then in the book of Acts, they get kept on. Um, it's because that kind of attitude just it cannot it can never get forgiven. There has to be a soft heart. Um, all right, chapter four. We've got some parables. We had we had some of these in the book of Matthew. First one's the same. In fact, what do we call this first one? Parable of sower, yeah. And th- this picture illustrates the four kinds of soil. What kind of soil is pictured up here in the upper left? That's the path. What happens when you put seed on the path? Nothing. Yeah, birds come and eat it up. What kind of soil is this? Yeah, stony soil. What happens when you put seed there? It sprouts quickly. It sprouts quickly, yeah. That's good, right? <laughs> well, until the sun comes out. So the sun comes out and then it withers. You can't handle it. What kind of soil is that lower left here? Thorns. What happens when you plant it among the thorns? It grows up and gets choked. Yeah, it grows up but it gets choked out. And what's this here in the lower right? That's organic gardening. <laughs> <laughs> That's good soil, yeah. What does it do? It thrives. Produces a crop. That's what, that's the phrase I'm looking for. Produces a crop. The the key for us to understand. I mean, what Jesus is looking for, what God is looking for. The problem with these first three is none of them produced any crop. God wants a crop. He wants fruit. This is producing a fruit, a crop. And now there's there's more than one lesson out of this. But the one lesson I really want us to take home with us is. God wants us to bear fruit. Otherwise, there's no point. 
Now, the, the disciples had to get, a, get this parable interpreted for them, which I would have too. I mean, if, if I just read the parable and didn't read the explanation and no background, I mean, what, what would you think? But look at Jesus' reaction in verse 13. Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? Good question. <laughs> what he's saying is you should have been able to get it. And you know, when I read this, I, I wonder, how could they get it? Well, we just have to get more in tune with God is the issue. <clears throat> so he explains it. We've already gone through it, so I won't do that. But um, he says in verse 21, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed, is it not brought to be put on, on the lampstand? He's telling the same lesson as he did with the, with the sower. He's just using a different picture. Instead of being a crop, now we are a lampstand. We're a lamp, that is. We're a lamp. We're shining out the, the light from the Holy Spirit. Well, what would God want us to be a lamp for? Well, to light up the place. <laughs> you don't put it under a bed or under a basket. He wants us to show our light to the world. Then he tells a parable in verse 26 that was not in Matthew. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain of the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What's the point of that, that parable? <clears throat> there's really only two parts. There's planting and then there's harvesting. And I think the point is the same that we've been talking about with the first parable. God wants a harvest. That's what He's looking for. All right. Um, let's see what I, what I want to cover after this. Oh, yeah. In the second story here, um, they, um, verse 36, they got in the boat. It says, they took him along with them in the boat just as he was. <laughs> just as soon as he was done teaching these. And he taught these from a boat because um, the crowd was so so thick. So that I guess they didn't even go back to shore. They just, just took off in the boat. And then what happened when he was asleep? Storm. Big storm. So the boat was already filling up, it says. Jesus was asleep. They wake him up. What's he say to them? After they say, don't you care about yeah. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? What he's saying is you shouldn't have woken him up. <laughs> they should have faith. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, we get our we find ourselves in much less problems than that. And we're terrified. Jesus is looking for faith. He wants us to have faith. All right, chapter five. We got the demons and the pigs, <laughs> and um, it's an interesting story. It takes place. This is an odd thing. Mark says it was in the country of the Gerasenes. In Matthew and Luke, one of them says Gergesenes, and the other says Gadarene. So we got three places for this, and 
I'm sure it only happened one time. I mean, it's, it's a very, very unique story that would only happen once. Those three are not the same on the map, but they are near each other. And um, in fact, where he did the miracle wasn't in town at all. It was outside of town. So I, I assume the authors are each giving the town they thought was the kind of the major town that goes with the uh, story. Uh, where oh, Here on the map where it says Gerges on the eastern shore, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, and they, Jesus gets, a, gets out of the boat, and there's, a guy, there's two guys, in fact. Uh, but, but Mark only mentions one of them. This guy who ha- has demons so bad that when they chain him up, he just breaks the chains. And he, and he just lives in the tombs. He gashes himself with stones. and So Jesus is, is trying to cast his demon out. And finally he asks him his name. What's the answer? Legion. Legion, yeah. Yeah, Legion. Why is he calling himself Legion? Because there are many. Yeah, a lot, a lot of demons in him. Um, and then the demons are getting very concerned. They, they don't want to go where they normally have to go when Jesus casts them out. Um, so they ask, well, how about if we could just go into these pigs here? How many pigs were there? 2,000. 2,000. Yeah, a huge, huge herd of pigs, and they do. And I don't know whether they did this on purpose or whether they just didn't know how to control pigs and they could control bad enough pigs, but pigs stampede into the water and then drown. So then what do the people of the of the city ask Jesus to do? Go away. <laughs> yeah, they're terrified. And of course, I, they may be thinking, you know, this is kind of expensive to have this guy around here. They're not thinking about the guy with the demons, you know, how happy he is. They think, they're probably thinking more about uh, the money they just lost. Well, but Jesus did leave. But he, he left the guy behind and told him to tell everyone about what God had done for him. Which and is unusual. I mean, he did a miracle, and this guy, he told the guy, go, yeah. go talk about it. But people wouldn't let him, people wouldn't let Jesus there, so he, he left his delegate. You go preach about this. Well, and the guy did. They shouldn't have had to preach. <laughs> if they were Jews. Yeah, well, it was kind of a, a mixed Gentile yeah. and Jew, Jewish area. Yeah, so, yeah, I, don't, I assume the Jews weren't even the pigs, but there were Gentiles involved here. Um, then he gets back to Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum is here on the, on the northwest shore. That's, that's his home base. And a guy from the synagogue, who is actually the ruler of the synagogue, named Jairus, came. This says he was one of the synagogue officials. He came, and what did he asked Jesus to do? His daughter was sick. Yeah, she's very sick. At the point of death, even, so, so bad. She was twelve years old. Twelve years old. I mean, he just you know, you know he really loves the, the girl, and and he knows Jesus can do it. Please come and heal her. So Jesus goes on his way. But of course, with Jesus, you can never predict what's going to happen next. Um, you know, when he's in a, in a in in a house, he can't eat a meal. So everyone's crowded around. When he's walking to to go heal this girl, crowds come around. And this woman, who's been sick for years. Twelve years. Twelve years. That's interesting, isn't it? Same same length as this girl. Yeah. Um, and and Mark, this is I always get a kick about how these the slant these authors take on it. Um, 
Mark expresses it differently than what Luke does. In verse 26, Mark says, She had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. Luke does not talk about doctors like that. (laughs) He is much more respectful to doctors. (laughs) So she touches his, his robe and of course she's healed. Meanwhile, he's taken so long to get there that some more people come out of the synagogue ruler's house and they tell him what? But don't uh, trouble the master anymore that your daughter is dying. Yeah. Yeah, don't, um, you know, your daughter's died, why trouble the teacher anymore? What did Jesus say in response? She only sleeps. Well, and something earlier than that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Only do what? Believe. Believe, yeah. Faith. The very thing that the disciples didn't have back in Mark 4. Now in chapter 5, He wants the synagogue really to have this. Have faith. So then He went in and only took who with Him? Father and mother. And it says His companions. Alright, but, but He lists them in verse 37. James, John, and... Yeah, Peter, James, and John. Yeah, the same three that we're going to have on two other occasions later. There's only there's three times when he just took those three with him. So, yeah, he as one of one of you guys said, yeah, she he says she's asleep. And then finally in verse 41, he he speaks to her. He says Talitha kum, which is uh, what language is he speaking when he says that? Aramaic. Aramaic. Yeah. What language is Mark writing the book in? Greek. Greek, yes. So he translates it. It means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Which, it's amazing how two words can, come, can make sense that long, but languages are funny like that way. Um, and it's interesting that we, we just have just a very few occasions like this when a writer will tell us what Jesus said in the original language. Um, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not certain even why he said it. He, why Mark wanted to give us the words here, except that he just wanted to give us the personal touch and you know, just the real eyewitness account. Was Mark there when it happened? Mm-hmm. No. But but Mark was actually kind of close to one of the apostles. Anyone know which one that was? Peter. Yeah, he's close to Peter. <clears throat> And uh, Peter was there. And my guess is that Peter gave him the words and Mark liked the story and put it that way. Um, So, of course, when Jesus said that, she got up and Jesus told him to do what for her? Give her something to eat. Give her something to eat. And don't tell anybody. (laughs) Yeah, nobody will know. (laughs) All those people that were there to mourn for her. Uh, all right. So, um, chapter 6. Jesus went back to his hometown. Um, what what was his hometown? Nazareth. Nazareth, yes. So, on the map, Capernaum is where his home is, but his hometown was Nazareth. That's where he grew up. So, he only made, I, I think he only made two visits back to his hometown during his preaching ministry that are recorded for us. Um, this one, he um, 
he told in the synagogue they're just impressed wow you know where did he get all this uh, all this wisdom but they're not they're not ones to have faith in him Jesus statement is in verse 4 a prophet is not without honor except where in his hometown among his own relatives yeah. in his own house yeah they they think they know him because he grew up with them So then in, in verse 7, he sends out the 12. We had this in Matthew as well. Tells them you know, to go preach. And in verse 10, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. And of course, what happens about a place that won't receive them? Shake yeah, the dust shake off. the dust off your feet. And so they went out and they preached that men should repent. And in verse 13, they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. Meanwhile, while, they're out, while the twelve are out doing their work, King Herod hears about Jesus, and what does he think has happened? It's the spirit of John the Baptist. Has risen. Yeah, John the Baptist has risen from the dead. Um, isn't this interesting? A guy that thinks he can do anything with anybody is so superstitious. <laughs> he killed John the Baptist, but he just can't get over it. This has got to be John the Baptist raised from the dead. Well, it did say he used to. He liked to appear John the Baptist. Yeah. So. Now they like to do anything John the Baptist mm-hmm. told them, but yeah, what a guy! And, and this story is just a sad story showing just what a weak guy he was. He had, just had no control over his own spirit. He makes his big brag, bragging type promise to his stepdaughter: "Whatever you ask me, I'll give you up to half my kingdom." Well, she didn't want half his kingdom. Her mom figured out this is the way to get rid of the person he, she hated. Why'd she hate John the Baptist? Because he said it was illegal. For yeah, she didn't have a right to be married to Herod. Yeah, there's some people that really don't like to be told they're doing wrong. Huh? <laughs> Times have not changed. Um, so... After that, the disciples, the twelve, came back, and um, they Jesus then took them aside to um, be by themselves. But no, they they get they can't get by themselves. People see where they're going; they run to the spot. Thousands gather. Jesus preaches to them, and at the end, he decides to do what for them? Feed them. Feed them. Yeah. How many were there that he fed? Yeah, five thousand men. Yeah. From five loaves and two fish. Then, again, we had the same story in Matthew. Mark doesn't give us as many details. He sent his his disciples ahead on the boat. And he met them later on the water. (laughs) And they were, of course, terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. What what did Mark leave out that Matthew includes? Yeah, Peter walking on the water. Yeah, I don't know why he left that out. I mean, if Peter's the one telling this story, but he's got to leave something out if he's going to get the story told as fast as he does. Now, in chapter 7, the Pharisees find some other reason to criticize Jesus. His disciples are eating without doing what? Washing their hands. Washing their hands, yeah. Did the Old Testament say you had to wash your hands before you ate? No, but there were times you had to wash. Yeah. 
if you if you came in contact with some uncleanness, you didn't have to wash. Well, hey, you never know when you might come on. You know, it might you might become unclean and not known it. So to take it to play it safe, you should wash your hands. And they taught that as a law, mm-hmm. even though it was the tradition of the elders, and they were big Jesus. Why you know why aren't your disciples following the, the tradition of the elders? And his response in verse six was, "Right, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites?" As, is, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Now let me ask, does it hurt anything for someone to wash their hands before they eat? I do it. There you go. <laughs> and look how old you've lived. Yeah, that's right. That's my tip of the day. <laughs> well, if it doesn't hurt, why is it wrong to tell people they should do it? Well, they're presenting it as a command of God. That's the problem. That's exactly the problem. When we tell people this is a command of God, but it's in fact our tradition, Jesus says you're just honoring God with your lips. Your heart's far from Him. We do not have the right to tell people anything other than what God has said is a commandment. So He says in verse 9, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. And then he gives an ex- another example when they had a tradition. This one was flat contradiction of the Word of God, honoring your father and your mother. Um, then he talks about, since they, they were so concerned about, you know, you don't wash your hands and you're going to eat. Um, and he says, in verse 15, there is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. Well, what is it that proceeds out of people that defiles the person? Yeah, and the things they say come from their thoughts. And so, he says in verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts. Fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. They were so concerned about the externals. It was the internals that were the problem. Then, in, uh, Jesus then went to the region of Tyre. Um, I've got a map for this. From Capernaum, he goes up here to this area of Tyre. And there's a local woman, Syrophoenician, which means she's a Gentile. What does she want from Jesus? Yeah, possessed by a demon. What's she going to do about it? Nothing she can do about it, but Jesus could. So she came and asked him to cast it out. What was Jesus' answer? Yeah. (laughs) Who's the dog in this story? This woman. Wow. What's her answer? Even the dogs would feet on the crumbs. Even the dog to feet on the crumbs from the table. Because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. <laughs> um, wow. Humility. We need it. Alright. Um, last chapter. Um, he fed another group. This time, how many were in the group? 4,000. 4, Still a huge, huge number. Um, they they use seven loaves and a few fish in that case. 
at 4,000. Um, then in verse 11, the Pharisees came seeking a sign from heaven. These are the guys that said, you know, he's casting out demons by Beelzebub. So give us a sign from heaven. Jesus Why just. Why do you think they were so presumptive? They said, give us this. Well, they're just trying to. Them that they say, I ask for this sign and you're going to give it to me. They're, they're trying to discredit him. That, that's what they're doing. When they say, give us a sign from heaven, what they're saying is everything you've done now hasn't been from heaven. So they're presenting a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying. Yeah, that's right. They're trying to challenge him. And, and, Throw him off. Whatever message I have, Jesus is on. Changing the subject. <laughs> yeah. So they head out and they, they get on the boat, boat and they forgot to do what? Get to bring bread. To bring bread, yes. Now, why does Mark mention that? What does that have to do with the story? It's on their mind. It's on their mind. That's the key. It's on their mind. So, you know how when somebody's on your mind, someone says something you meet, and you make long connections because of, of what's on your mind? And so Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What do you do to use leaven in? Bread. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're thinking, where are we going to get bread? And Jesus says, well, don't get it from the Pharisees. <laughs> That's what they're hearing. <laughs> or Herod. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so they kind of talk among themselves, you know. What's he saying? What's he saying? It's because we, we didn't bring the bread. That's why <laughs> Jesus is getting so frustrated with them. Why are you Why are you concerned if we didn't bring bread? And and what does he remind them of? Feeding five thousand. What's the point he's trying to make? That he's not concerned about bread. Yeah, bread's not a problem, folks. Bread's not a problem. Don't be worried about bread. If they weren't hadn't been worried about the bread, then they would have been on Jesus' wavelength. They could have understood him. So, he, and, and it's funny, he, he gets to the end of the story, you know, to, you, know, how many, you know, how many baskets did you have left over when I fed the 4,000? He said seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? <laughs> he kind of leaves it for them to figure this out. <laughs> but what was Jesus talking about when he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? They're teaching, yeah. They're, they're hypocritical uh, approach to, to everything that Jesus did. <clears throat> All right. And then we've got the great confession. Um, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, said to him in verse 29, You are the Christ. And then what does Jesus immediately start predicting? His death, yes. His death and resurrection. And of course, Peter cannot accept that. Um, all right. Any final questions? We just did half of the book of Mark. <laughs> Appreciate everyone's help this morning.